Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Lamentations chapter 3. If you have your Bible, if you have your phone, Lamentations chapter 3, right after the book of Jeremiah, right before Ezekiel. Lamentations chapter 3. I'm going to read some portions of Scripture, and I will do my best to convey what I felt the Lord put in my heart for you, but I got to be a little bit honest for me and for my family. And I pray and I felt today there will be those in this place that God is going to meet you right where you are. If you're online and you're watching, God is going to minister to you today in a very meaningful, profound way through his word and through his presence. Before I read, I do want to give honor to my cousin, Brother John Lopez. I love you. It's such an honor to see you. I would have loved to hear you preached as well. But thank you for gracing us with your time and your presence. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning verse number 18. Jeremiah the prophet writing, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness I want that to ring in your spirit today you and I have come with a lot of things on our hearts we have come from the battlefield we have come from the trenches I want to remind us of something that is very true and true still. Great is thy faithfulness. My subject this morning is simply this. What's wrong about you doesn't change what's right about God. What's wrong about you doesn't change what's right about God. Would you put your Bibles down and would you put your hands together and let's give the Lord just one more praise offering. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He prophesied to a divided kingdom. He would know and be contemporaries with writers of scripture and prophets such as Zephaniah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, and Obadiah. He writes to express the despair of the people of Judah. Over the loss of land, over the loss of their city, over the destruction 
of their temple. The book of Lamentation is actually a collection of five poems. Mourning, writing, lamenting of the destruction of Jerusalem. I read it again as he puts words that are heartfelt, but are hard to comprehend. He would say things like, he is the target of the arrows that God is sending his way. He is the very gravel in the mouth of people. He would describe it in terms that are hard to comprehend. Lamentation is not the original title of this book. It was given by Greek translators. The actual title is this. It's one word. How? It is the first word of chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 4. How, as in, how in the world did all this happen? How in the world did we get to this condition? How in the world has this befallen unto us? It also can be translated in a word called alas, which was a characteristic cry of lament, a heart full of sorrows. Thousands of people have been killed. Others have been deported and those that remained in Jerusalem have been reduced to cannibalism. Jeremiah's greatest fears have now been replaced with never-ending tears. It would pain him to see Israel and Judah go from freedom into bondage, from blessing into cursing, from serving the one true God to worshiping false gods. If that wasn't bad enough, all the seven kings that he would minister to, prophesy to, only one would be righteous. That godly king was Josiah. He would write what is bad and wrong about him. He was not trying to play nice. He was not trying to sugarcoat the truth. But he would put honesty in scripture, truth on paper. And he wanted for time and eternity for those that would follow God to understand the road is not always easy. The ways are not always straight. And the times are not always good. And so he would write words like he felt useless to the people. He was full of bitterness. His physical health was in trouble. His soul felt far from peace. He told God, forget about ever blessing me again. But when it comes to the crux of the matter, verse 18 kind of puts it all together. When he would write, and I read it to you already, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. If you lose any one of those in your walk with God, you're already in trouble. If you try to live for God without strength, it's drudgery, it's heartache, it's hard, it's pain. Try to live for God without hope, and it seems like you're bailing water out of a ship going down. But you combine both of those, your strength and your hope, and you seem there's just no way that you'll prevail. But that is exactly how Jeremiah described it. My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. It's gone. 
I feel worn out. So I come to each and every one of us, including myself today. Have you ever felt like giving up on God? Have you ever felt your strength gone? Have you ever felt hope dissipate out of your spirit? Let me remind you, you're not the first. There was a man before you and I got here that felt the pains of desperation, the sorrows, the tears, the heartache, the things that he could not understand. And yet, throughout the Word of God, he would still write and describe and put on paper what his heart felt. The book of Lamentation explores the raw range of human emotions associated with grief, disappointment, confusion, hopelessness, but is best expressed in these two words. I promise you, you probably have not used these words in the last month, but these are the words of Scripture. He would say, the wormwood and the gall. When's the last time you used those words? When's the last time they came out of your lips? The wormwood and the gall. The wormwood and the gall were figurative expressions of the bitterness and the grievous affections that could garnish the heart and put in your spirit the wormwood and the gall. The wormwood is a harmful plant that symbolizes bitterness. It would be easy to look around and look at the past 12, 13 months and get bitter very quickly. It would be easy to look around and see all the wrong that's taken place. Gall is a poison of or life-threatening substance. It would take you out. And so the prophet trying to encapture what he felt and what he was going through simply said, it's the wormwood and the gall. Those that would read this got that very quickly. Those that would read this would understand understand that for you and I in this day and age we need to do a little research but you can't get any worse you can't get any more to the bottom of the barrel than speaking the words the wormwood and the gall I'm glad I'm grateful the Bible doesn't try to hide real life so thankful the Bible doesn't try to put in the corner real struggles what's wrong with us, what we are facing, what we're going through, what we feel. I have called this season, these last 12, 13, 14 months, I've called this season a season of lamentation. People have lost so much. Graduations, not normal. Weddings, postponed. No Olympics in our past. People have lost their loved ones like my father, like my family has lost their, our father. People have experienced so much loss, so much grief, and so much sadness. Our interactions have been funky at best. We don't even know really if someone wants an air high five or give an elbow bump or, or even we're supposed to make eye contact. I don't know. Maybe eye contact makes this happen. It's just weird. It's just different. And yet through all of the treachery and the trials and the battles, the truth is there must be a way. There has to be an answer. There must be something that makes sense in all of this. 
Right? I'm not left to my own thinking or my own recollections. The Bible gives us some handrails when the writer said it like this. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. When you start thinking and remembering what's right about God. I know there are things wrong about life and about what I'm going through. But I know when I start thinking about what's right about God. God is still good. God is still on the throne. God is still faithful. I don't know about you, but I want to declare what is still right about God. Come on. Would you just put your hands together and through your mask, would you just begin to give God a praise? I know I don't feel like it. I know the facts don't tell me, but they're still right about our God. God did not fail my family. God did not fail to answer my prayers. God did not quit on the job when it came to my father. His purpose is greater than I can understand. It may not be what I asked, and it may not be what my heart wanted. But I'm here to tell you on the day after my father's funeral that there's something good about God. That God is still a faithful God. The Al Moody said, you can't remember all the good uh, blessings of God. You can't remember all God's blessings, but don't forget them all either. It's amazing when we're going through the valley and the trials and the temptation and the struggle, we forget about how good God has been. We start blaming God and accusing God and pointing fingers at God. We need to put that aside today. And we need to remind ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ, I remember when he healed. I remember when he provided. I remember when he saved my soul. I remember when he picked me up. Do I've got any witnesses in the house that you could testify with me? There was a time that God brought me out, that God lifted me out. weeping will endure through the night. I know that joy will come in the morning. I know there are long days ahead, but in the midst of our trial and in the midst of our heartache, I want to let you know. I want to let the devil know. I want to let myself know they're still right about God. What's right about God? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you what the writer said, what is right about God. It says in Scripture, and it reminds us, it is the Lord's mercies. Would you just say the Lord's mercies? Would you make that plural, the Lord's mercies, that we are not consumed? 
He wanted you and I to know that there's plurality in these mercies. That there's multiple mercies. I need new mercies every day. I don't know about you, but I don't know a one sinner or sin individual. I don't know one person that just has one issue they're battling with. The people I pastor, they have got multiple issues like they're multiple personalities. But we need more than just one mercy. I need mercies every day. Psalms 51 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. God has mercies for you. You may feel like you failed. You may feel like a failure. You may feel like God's given up on you. But I want to tell you what's good about God his mercies are everlasting he don't give up on us I need somebody that's watching right now to hear me you're sitting in your living room you're wondering if you should throw in the towel but I've come to tell you he's got multitudes of tender mercies he's reaching out for you he's trying to get your attention he's not giving up on you I'm glad that God doesn't give up on on us easy. I'm grateful that he has loads, buckets, oodles, bunches, and two great handfuls. He has more than you and I need. He's got multitudes of tender mercies. And he said, I want to remind you of something else. What's good about God? Because his compassions fail not. And I got to be honest with you, I've preached, read, memorized, said the word compassion a lot of times. But something new came to me, something I never saw before, that Jesus had compassions often. The Bible would tell us of stories and examples where Jesus saw people, multitudes, and he had compassion on them. We kind of view it as he kind of felt sorry for them. Like he said, oh, there, 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 you okay, little lamb. It's almost like he was just giving them a pass. But that's not what compassions mean. There's something deeper about compassions. Because God recognizes something you and I need to recognize. There are some things in this world and in our lives we can't fix. We can't heal. And we can't escape from. There are some things we can't say. And there's some things that people would not understand. Because compassion is for things that you can't change. Compassion is for things that you can't fix. You wish you could get a mulligan. You wish you could get a redo. You wish you could go back and change it. You wish you could have go back and rearrange it. But it is your life. And it is your story. And it is what you are facing. And when God doesn't seem to answer, He wants you to understand there's something else good about God. His compassions fail not. He's right with you in the midst of your struggle, in your heartache, in the things you can't change. There's things that happen in your life. There are things that took place in your past you can't change. You maybe have been molested. You may have gone through a devastating divorce you may have faced the things no one knows and you wish to God you could forget 
But in the realities of our lives, there is something greater. His compassions fail not. So maybe I have to walk with the limp. And maybe I have to carry the cross. And maybe I have to face some things that all will follow me all the way to heaven. But you're not in those alone. And God did not fail you. What's good about God is that his compassions fail not. For the things your dad did. For the things your mom said. For those friends that stabbed you in the back. And they stabbed you in the heart. For those things that you don't understand. I don't get it about this life. I want you to know what's good about God. Is his compassions fail not. Would you just raise your hands all across this place? And if you're at home, would you just raise your hands? Because some of you are facing things that you can't change. You're not alone. Some of you are facing things you don't understand. I want you to know the compassions of God. Well, you're not. I'm almost done. But he wouldn't finish. He said, I want to tell you one more thing. In the midst of my tears, read Lamentation. That's your homework. Go home and read Lamentation. Look at the drudgery and heartache and the pain and the language and the wordsmithing. Look at the vernacular that he uses that are so emotionally drenched. Look at the story. Look at the way he describes it. Look at the raw feelings that he's expressing on paper. It's almost mind-blowing that he could write this and God allow it and it's permitted in Scripture. But in the midst as he's Telling his story. How he will tell you that his heart is broken. His tears can't stop. He says one of these famous sayings in scripture. I want to tell you what's good about God. Great is thy faithfulness. If you know anything about the book of Lamentations. It is almost like right dead center in the book of Lamentations. There's five chapters. Chapter number three. Almost right in the middle of chapter three, he begins to tell us, and he begins to say, and he wants to remind us, I know I'm painting a pretty bleak picture, but they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What I've come to tell myself what I've come to remind my family, what I want you, this amazing church, to understand. Great is thy faithfulness. God, you've never failed us. You can't judge God in one weekend. I can't judge God in 16 days of my dad's last remaining days. I got to look back over time. And I've got to judge God over the seasons. God, every time. God, you showed up. You made a way when there was no way. When I didn't understand God, you proved yourself again. Someone in this building needs to put your head back and say, God, great is thy faithfulness. Somebody that's watching needs to tell yourself, great is thy faithfulness. Yeah. 
you have to understand this idea of faithfulness is not some minor or secondary option of God's character. It goes to the core of who he is. Faithfulness is a covenant issue with God. Daniel 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God doesn't bail because it gets hard or confusing or deep or dark. God doesn't lose when you and I are going through the valley of the shadow of death. God is a covenant God of faithfulness. So let me get very practical. Just because you can't pay your rent this month, God's not going to waste his reputation on you. I'm going to tell you, God is not going to blow his reputation on your problem. I've seen families go through bankruptcy, death, disease, divorce, destruction. I've seen families go through heartache, shame, guilt. I've seen them go through things that I wouldn't wish on my enemy. But I can tell you this, through it all, God showed himself to be faithful, to be just, to be present, to be an ever-present help. So whatever you're going through, I want to tell you very clearly, God is with you, God is for you, and God will see you through. You know why I say that? Because if God fails you, you will be the first person God fails. Put that in there. Why don't you tweet that out? If God fails you, you will be the first person that God failed. We're just not that good that God's going to waste his reputation on us. So family, mom, God did not fail us. Can I tell you, God heard our prayers. God is faithful, and God is just, and God is kind, and God is loving. Come on, would you put your hands together? I just want your praise to come out of your spirit. Come on, God won't fail you. I know you're going through a hard time, but great is thy faithfulness. I know the valley seems long, but great is thy faithfulness. If they could come to the music, please. Revelation 19, 11. If you can all stand. John the Revelator penned these words, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. It occurred to me, it occurred to me, what God wants you to recognize about him, may I even dare say the world to know about him doesn't say one God, 
Doesn't say all powerful. Doesn't say majestic. The first words that he wants you and I to see when he comes riding on a white horse, he said, I want them to know that I'm faithful. I don't know about you, but if it meant that much to God, it must mean something to us. Because the world and the enemy wants you to describe what's wrong about you. And what's wrong about your walk with God and what's wrong about this and wrong about that and what's wrong about church and what's wrong about my job and what's wrong about my spouse and what's wrong about... You need to remind yourself what's wrong about me doesn't change what's right about God. wrong about my life what I hate about this what I despise about my past what I wish I could bury and forget forever none of that somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you none of that changes what's right about So whatever you're going through, it seems real cliche-ish, doesn't it? It seems real preachery. Sounds real churchy. Whatever you're going through, why don't you personalize that right now? Would you close your eyes and what are you facing that's impossible, hard? What's on the brink of pulling you apart? What do you got to march to next week with? That you hope no one discovers or you... What is the enemy trying to dangle over your soul? I want you to get that real instance and that real scenario. I want you to get that real story. Now I want to remind you, in the face of the reality of your life and my life, is thy faithfulness man I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping across this place and I know if you're watching I'm telling you right where you are the Holy Ghost is ministering to you whatever your story is great is thy faithfulness I know it seems impossible. I know the mountain seems real high. I know you don't have the strength to climb. I know you don't have the answers. I just want to remind you. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on. I've got a couple square circles around here. All of us can't come to the altar because I promise you I would call each and every one of us. But if you should say, God, I just want to thank you. I've been reminded again today, you can't fail. And what's wrong about my life 
doesn't change what's right about you, God. Come on, they're coming. Come on, you may have to be right where you are. Thank you. But just don't let this moment pass. I'm telling you, there's healing right now. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, there's real deliverance right in this house. There's a real miracle waiting to be birthed in your heart. Come on, this is a game changer if you'll understand. I got space for one more. Come on, right where you are. Thank you, come on. Right where you are. Would you close your eyes? No one looking around. Would you allow God just to begin? Would you allow the Holy Ghost just to begin to minister? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.